Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. In one of my sermons earlier this season, we pondered that not much is known about Jesus' childhood, that we really only hear about him once when he was 12 years old. That was the time when his parents lost track of him for an entire day or more. Do you remember where they finally found that 12-year-old boy? It's right. He was teaching. He was teaching in the synagogue. So today in our gospel, it is 21 years later. Jesus is now roughly 33 years old. And with Luke this morning, we're seeing the very last recorded time of Jesus teaching in the synagogue. Wouldn't it have been amazing somewhere in that 21-year window to have had Jesus as our teacher? Time does go by quickly, though, and I know and we know we're in the season of Jesus' last earthly days. Remember, his face is set towards Jerusalem. Even so, even while he is teaching in the synagogue for the very last time recorded, Jesus notices a person in need, a woman Luke provides for us not one, but three important pieces of information about her infirmity, as if, if you're reading the page, Luke is formatting his description for emphasis three times. Imagine that Luke is bolding it, underlining it, and then highlighting it in bright yellow. We're told in the first place that this woman has been crippled for 18 years, a detail that conveys the the seriousness and the length of her suffering. Then we're told in the second place that she was bent over. And thirdly, we're informed that she was quite unable to stand upright. For me at least, and I suspect for all of you as well, this threefold description effectively engages both my imagination and my compassion. I did a little research. There is actually an illness called bent spine syndrome. There's not a definitive treatment It usually is progressive in nature. In other words, it's a grim picture we see for this woman this morning. Whatever the physical reasons were for her condition, though, we're also told by Jesus himself in verse 16 that she's been bound by the devil for all of those years. That makes it, oh, so much worse, an added layer to this misery she was experiencing. For 18 years, and I think it's notable, That in the synagogue, on the Sabbath day, there was a woman who had suffered for 18 years and still, she's in church. She came to church, right? I just wonder how easy it would be for any of us, myself included, were we to suffer a persistent physical or spiritual condition for 18 years, to find one or maybe several valuable reasons not to come to church on Sunday morning. Plus, and I'm stating the obvious here, They didn't have cars back then, nor did they have any kind of public transportation. People had to walk places. So evidently, we see today a woman in the synagogue who has not found it in her heart to be resentful for her condition before God. She's not saying, how could a God of love allow this to happen to me? I'm not going to go to synagogue anymore. She's there. She's showing up on the Sabbath, worshiping with the rest of the crowd. And for me, that's inspiring. 
It affirms to me how important it is for us to be together on Sunday mornings here in this place in praise of God together. I'm going to be reminding folks of that this fall to come to church. Now you're here. Will you help me pass that along? When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. That's just a little detail, but that the little things get my attention sometimes. Maybe this sounds old-fashioned, but the way I was raised was that you open doors for people, you help people to be seated, you ease their way. But in response to this woman's decided infirmity, this thrice-detailed affliction, we hear that, quote, when Jesus saw her, he called her over. Wouldn't you think that Jesus would go over to her? I'm not sure why he made her come all the way to him. Maybe he's beginning to get her to exercise her faith. I don't know. Calling her to do something. But it is true. Jesus calls her. He summons her to him. Then, just as there was a three-part description of her condition, there is, if you notice, a three-part description of her healing First, Jesus declares her free from the ailment from which Satan has been binding her for 18 years. Secondly, he lays his hands upon her. And third, and simultaneously, she stands up and she begins to praise God. Now, I'm a big believer that the healing stories of Jesus are true. In other words, I think that they actually happened to folks who were sick or blind, or paralyzed, or even, at times, bent over. But I also believe that these moments of healing by Jesus can be beautiful, poignant, and even compelling parables for a culture or a society that, by the same token, can be spiritually blind, spiritually sick, spiritually bent over. We don't have to read much farther in our gospel lesson this morning, do we, to see that religious leader who chastises Jesus for healing a woman on the Sabbath day, to see the bent-over nature of the system of Jesus' day. We can see him there, wagging that finger that Anne read about in our Isaiah passage this morning. But the ruler of the synagogue, I have to say it that way because there is that negative connotation, but there was the ruler of the synagogue who was indignant angry, offended, the word indicates, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. So he said to the crowd, now notice this, he said to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. I think we might learn from a couple of big things to notice here. First, rather than addressing Jesus himself, the leader addresses the crowd Now, you can't blame too much on the crowd here. They come to worship. They've witnessed Jesus as healer. The leader has a clear message that he wants to send to Jesus, but he doesn't address Jesus. He addresses the crowd. And I think this is a very passive-aggressive move, if you ask me. I want to give a message to you, Myrna, but I won't say it to you, because then I'll have to make myself accountable to you. So I'm going to say it to everyone else here, hoping that you'll hear it, not through me, but through them. I don't really have a message to give you, Myrna. It's all good. What a terrible way to communicate. It's not scriptural at all. The second thing to notice is this. Instead of actually rejoicing in the healing of this woman, did you notice? He's resentful. He's upset. 
He's offended. This is kind of a hassle for him because he doesn't know what to do when something like this happens. So the Lord answered him and said, hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall, lead it to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath? Jesus used the word hypocrite last week as well. I wonder if you remember. You hypocrites, he said, you know how to interpret how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? In my sermon out at Mount Lebanon last Sunday, I shared that the origin of the word hypocrite is actor. An actor. So Jesus is basically saying the very same thing to this religious leader. You actor. Remember, Jesus was a very well-educated rabbi. He knew the law as well as anyone else, so he masterfully puts the letter and the spirit of the law right back in the lap of that leader because it was perfectly acceptable and legal and even encouraged on the Sabbath to untie any suffering animal from the heat and lead it to water. So then, why shouldn't this woman, bound for 18 years, be let free from her bondage on the Sabbath day? And if the law calls on you to have such compassion for a donkey, a mere animal, can't then we be equally thrilled to free a fellow and beloved child of God, a human being that is clearly suffering from being tied to that pain? Well... You can't argue with that, can you, Jesus? Which is why we hear that all of his opponents were put to shame, the entire crowd was rejoicing at all of the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. So today, we have a glimpse of a system that was kind of bent over, a system that had lost its sense of basic ministry, the dignity of others, a connection to God and neighbor. Jesus wanted to heal that system. Jesus wanted to see that faith, just like that woman, be healed, be straightened out, to stand up for what is right. It turns out he wants that for you and for me and for St. James Parish as well. My friends, that synagogue actually wasn't the last place where Jesus taught. It turns out, of course, he's our teacher teaching us here and now, and today. So with that in mind, may we have the very same response as that healed woman. Indeed, let us praise God. Amen.